a few people in the house that haven't been with us before. We've been spending since the first of the year talking about experiencing breakthrough in our lives with Jesus by simply changing our attitude about how we pray and dialogue with Him. And so we've been talking about life in circles. We circle the things that matter, and we circle bigger things because God's not asking us to dream small and manage the things we're talking to Him about. He wants us to pray beyond ourselves and ask Him for things that only He can do. And last week, as we were talking about what it's like to pray in those circles, we talked about what it's like to draw bigger circles, to really kind of extend our boundaries into places that we know we can't go without God. And we learned two important components to that, and that is it takes bold faith and a different spirit. We talked about Caleb and how he, among the spies, among everyone, was willing to speak out and say, we don't have to be afraid of the things we can't control or that we perceive to be bigger than us because we have a bigger God. And about Caleb, God said he had a different spirit than everyone else. And in order to be people who draw bigger circles, we have to have a different spirit. We have to have a spirit that is secure and anchored in a God that not only can, but will. And so it takes bold faith to believe that he will and trust him to do it. And it takes a different spirit. And I want to talk about now today, now that we've been challenged to make our circles bigger, to expand our territory, to expand our boundaries, I, I want to also talk about how then, once we get in the circle, we stay in the circle. So at the very beginning of the series, I told a story about a wise man named Honey. He lived in the generation just before Jesus. There had been a massive drought, and there there had been no rain. People had really even stopped praying for rain because they just felt like God wasn't listening anymore, right? They quit. They got out of their circles. But Honey, this sage, came and drew a circle around himself, dropped to his knees, and said, I'm not moving, God, until you show mercy on your children. And the amazing thing was, it started to rain. And if you remember the story, or if you weren't here for the story, here's what happens. It starts to rain. We don't know how much time has elapsed, but the way the legend is told, it makes us think that almost immediately after he prays, it starts to sprinkle. And if you were here, do you remember what I told you the people did? They started dancing, right? Here comes these this just little baby droplets of rain. And they're dancing and they're screaming and they're running through the streets for a sprinkle. And Honey did not. He didn't get up. Everybody else is partying. Here comes the rain. Look, this is what we've waited for. And they get up and dance. And he doesn't. Why? Because that's not what he was praying for. Honey had the wisdom to remember that the desire of his heart was for mercy for people who hadn't had rain for years. Okay? A sprinkle would barely make a change in the ground. And so while people perceived that what was given to them was enough, Honey knew that it wasn't. And he stayed in the circle, which illustrates a principle for us that we talked about in week one called praying through, right? I'm not just asking God for something. I'm going to pray through it, which means I'm also going to be dedicated to stay here until I see God do the thing that only God can do. What that looks like for us practically today is what Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonians. Never stop praying. Never stop. Friends, even if you're interceding for a lot of needs, there's a moment when you get tempted to say, oh, did you see that sprinkle? We're done, right? We've, we've had our moment. <clears throat> In another way, Paul wrote to the church at Galatia. He said, so look, don't be weary in doing the good things. Don't stop and get tired of doing what is good because at the right time, you're going to reap a blessing, of a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. He says, don't stop. Don't get tired. Right. Right. How many of you get worn out after you've done something over and over and over again? I got three honest people in the room, okay? that's a, It's okay to be honest, right? Don't you get tired? You do it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And at some point it's just like, I can't do this anymore. Do you know it's like that with our prayer life sometimes? We intercede. We bring a need before the Lord. We've talked to him about it. We've talked to him again. We've talked to him until we're blue in the face. We've said all we think we can say. 
And we get weary. We get tired. Because some, and, and here's the thing. It's not just that we get tired. Sometimes we get distracted. Okay? Let, let, me, let me be real with you this morning. I had a moment right after we moved here. I drew a circle around something, and I started praying. I was convinced when God called us here that he called us here for some very specific purposes, and one of them had to do with our relationship with the college. And I drew a circle around that thing, and I prayed. I walked around that college, and I prayed. We gathered together as people and walked in different places in this city and prayed about what God might do among us. And something happened, and I got up. There was one small connection that we made with the college, and I assumed that that was God's answer. So I got up. I stopped praying about it. I was like, well, there it is. You know what it was? It was a sprinkle. It was a sprinkle. What I perceived to be the answer wasn't really the answer at all. And then the worst part came. I realized I was wrong. Have you ever had that moment? When you're just convinced, you've convinced yourself, this, this must be how God's going to answer this thing, right? And so you stop praying about it because here's the answer, and then you find out, oh, mm -mm, that wasn't. Does that ever happen to you? Where you're talking to the Lord about something and you think this must be it, and so you stop because you're like, well, that's the answer. Not what I, not what I thought. Not what I was, not what I was really petitioning him for. But hey, you know, it's something. And then we quit. We stop. And can I tell you that that's one place where the enemy gets a foothold? Because then here's the dialogue in most of our heads when that happens, right? When you quit before it's time. When you get up out of the circle and it was only a sprinkle. And God wants to give you. A steady, pulsing rain. Here's what happens. In the back of your mind, you go, okay, so do I draw another circle and start praying, or do I just quit because God already knows I'm a failure? Like, clearly I'm not even smart enough to see what God is trying to do. So maybe I shouldn't. And this is where the enemy, at least in my life, I'm, gonna, I'm being real today. This is where the enemy gets real loud for me. Right, and here, here's the here's the uh, audio recording in my head. Well, don't you feel stupid? Don't you feel stupid that you don't know God well enough to know that that wasn't the answer? Don't you feel foolish that you got up? Everybody's looking at you. You thought this was the answer, and you were wrong. What kind of leader are you going to be? How can people trust you to know the will of God if you missed it this time? That's where the recording starts. And then he says things like this. Don't you know if God really loved you, he would have just given you the right answer the first time? Here's the problem, friends. Sometimes praying through is part of the development of what God is doing in us. Sometimes the first answer isn't the answer. It can be an answer, but it doesn't mean it's the answer. And sometimes what God is saying is, now listen to what you're asking for. Listen to what we're talking about. Pay attention to why you've brought this need in front of me and stay in the circle. Don't get up and don't believe the garbage that you're hearing. If you do get up, it's okay to come back. The circle is still drawn. Just get back on your knees and start talking to me about it. Can I just tell you why the enemy works so hard to convince us that we're foolish when we stop praying too soon and why it's not worth going back to pray about again? Because every time God's people get on their knees and start talking to God, the enemy gets real nervous. When we are connected to the one who made us, who has a divine purpose for each of us, and we start dialing in consistently to the voice that wants to lead us down paths that he's created for us, when we're super dialed in, the enemy of our souls gets real nervous because he's losing traction. 
because we're not distracted anymore. We hear the voice of the shepherd and we're moving in that direction. Jesus said to those who were listening to him, my sheep know my voice. What he, what he didn't say was, there aren't a lot of voices in your life. What he said was, my sheep know my voice. There are a lot of voices. And most of the time, the voice that gets loudest, the quickest, is the enemy's. Because he wants to tell us that we've missed the moment and therefore we're out of luck. Well, you got out of the circle too early. You stopped praying and you shouldn't have. What do you think God thinks about you now? I think he thinks I'm human. I think he thinks that I'm fragile and I'm prone to wonder. I think he knows the desire of my heart and I think he's calling to me. And his invitation is to come back. Come back inside where it is safe and I can be honest and get back on my knees and keep praying. Friends, I'm not perfect. I don't have this praying thing figured out. I, like you, am prone to see something and think it must be God and jump up and dance. But when I find out that it's a sprinkle and not a steady rain, I have to make a choice. Do I get back down on my knees or do I listen to the lies from the enemy in my head? You have to make a choice when you get up too early because sometimes we quit praying because we get up too early. And when the enemy gets loud enough, we usually just stop. We don't double back. We don't get back in the circle. We figure that even though it doesn't sound like God, it doesn't, couldn't, doesn't sound like God that God wouldn't care, but it's easier to believe that than to humble myself and get back down and start praying again. So we stop. And it's not the only reason we stop, by the way. Sometimes we stop because we didn't hear God clearly. Right? Sometimes it's not just that I saw it and thought it. Sometimes what I saw didn't match what I was hearing. And I chose to do what was right in my own eyes instead of listen to the voice of God that was leading me in a different direction. Sometimes we quit because we have misdirection. But I want to get gut honest today and sometimes say that we stop because we just get tired. We get exactly what Paul said would happen. We get weary of well-doing. We get tired of doing good. We've been doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And we just get tired. I can't do this anymore, God. So the question is, <clears throat> where do we come to in that moment? When we've decided we're tired and we can't anymore, where, what do we do when it seems like we're running in circles inside our circle and we're tired of running? What do we do when we want to quit? Enter the words of Jesus. I love that even though scripture was literally written multiple centuries ago, even though the engagement that Jesus had with people long before we were ever even imagined still relates and speaks to us in the moments that we find ourselves in today. And do you know that Jesus really knew that one of the things that we would struggle with the most is getting weary in well-doing? Jesus knew that our weary would just wear us out. At some point, we'd just be over it. I can't talk to you about this anymore, God. I've talked till I'm blue in the face, and I don't think you care. I don't think you hear me. I don't think you're listening. I can't hear you. You're not answering. Jesus knew that we would get tired. He knew because he watched his disciples get tired. He watched the people that he was speaking to every day get tired. And so he did not leave us without instruction. And that instruction comes to us today from the Gospel of Luke in the 18th chapter. If you have a Bible or a phone or however you engage with God's Word, I'm going to invite you to follow along with me today. You can also watch up on the screen as the story comes before you. But I just want you to listen. Listen closely as you read or follow along to how Jesus speaks to the very need that most of us have today. Luke chapter 18, and we start in verse 1. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Doesn't that just sum it up right there? I mean, there are moments when we come to Scripture and we're like, does God have anything to say about this? And sometimes we feel like we have to piece things together. This just 
hits the nail right on the head, doesn't it? To show that we should always pray and never give up. Jesus said there was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God. I don't care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. Every parent in the room that's ever had a child in a grocery store that goes on autopilot, mom, 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 dad, 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 can I have, can I have, can I have? You know this feeling, right? That's what we're talking about. Wore him out. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? This is the word of God for the people of God. And we're thankful for it. I'm thankful for the fact that we can come to the gospel and see that Jesus is speaking directly to encourage our spirits in a place he knew that we would struggle. When I want to quit, when I'm tired of praying about it, when I'm tired of talking about it, when I feel like I've begged and pleaded and I don't want to anymore, Jesus says, let me tell you a story about what you ought to do. You ought to always keep praying and never give up. He didn't say, let me tell you a story about what to do when you want to run out on me. No, he just said, let me tell you about a story about how you should always keep praying. He didn't point fingers at us, but he knew that we would struggle with it. And so he tells this story about a widow. And the thing about the story is, he's illustrating a singular point with this story. Stay in the circle. He sets it up. Always keep praying and never give up, okay? There's the message on the front end. He, the, Luke is packing the narrative in one sentence. Before you even read the story, here's what the story's about, he says. So don't miss the moment. But how does Jesus teach the point? How do we know that that's what he's saying? Well, look at the story for a minute. We have no idea what this widow's issue is, by the way. If if you are a detailed person like me in stories, I'm not a detailed person, don't, don't get me wrong. I don't do details real great. But in stories, I want more detail. I want all the nuts and bolts. We have no idea what she's coming to him for. We don't have any idea what's happened. Maybe somebody's stolen her money. Maybe she was unjustly accused of a crime she didn't commit. Maybe she lost the only means of income she had by baking bread for somebody else. Whatever her injustice is, it was worth all her time and all her effort to get the judge's attention to help her with it. She came to him day and night. She came repeatedly until he heard her case. She probably sat on his front step at the morning and banged on his door at night and interrupted his meals and interrupted court cases until finally he was like, Lady, look. Okay. I'll hear you. Ever know anybody like that? Dogged determination. Just won't let it go. You know what I call that? Call it persistence. In fact, your Bible probably has a heading right above the reading that calls this woman the persistent widow. She just won't let go. She, as the scripture says, wore him out. Now, can I give you a little nerd nugget this morning? This is, this is really cool, by the way. Do you know where the term wear, wear me out comes from? So in the Greek, when we read this in the original language, do you know what it says? It says she was punching him in the eye. The word in the Greek, hupopiazo, means she was striking him in the eye. 
And what we know is that she was doing it repeatedly. It's a boxing term, right? I'm going to wear you out. I'm just, I'm going to keep slugging. I'm going to come at you again and again and again. She was buffeting him with all her blows. What an interesting word to use to describe persistence, right? It sounds like she was lashing out, but that's not what's happening. It's just a consistent barrage. If you've ever seen a boxer hit a fast bag, it's just a constant barrage, right? Back and forth and back. This is what's happening. That's what persistence looks like. Whatever is on her heart and mind is so important to her that she's just going to wear him out. She's going to go 10 rounds with this judge until he's willing to hear her case. And her relentless persistence pays off. Because finally the judge renders justice to her just to get her off his back. And don't, don't get confused. Don't for a minute think that Jesus is telling this story to tell you the kind of God that God is because God is not an unjust judge. This isn't a metaphor for God. This is a compare and contrast. Because Jesus says, if an unjust judge is willing to give justice to a woman like this, how much more will your God, who hears the cries of his children, respond to all of you? Do you think you're going to have to pester and pester and pester him? No. God loves his children. He hears the cries of our hearts, and he responds. Here's the thing. God does care about us. We're the ones that determine the measurement of God's care by the rapidness of his response. We've decided, well, God must not care about me if he didn't answer me 30 seconds after I got it out of my mouth. What, what Jesus is not saying is, look, you're just going to have to, you're going to have to go 10 rounds with God until he gives you what you want. That's not it at all. What he's saying is, let me demonstrate to you sometimes what it might look like to pray through. Let me demonstrate to you what it looks like sometimes to stay in the circle when all you want to do is get out. Let me demonstrate to you that sometimes you might have to come again. Sometimes you might have to keep that need ever before him. Not because he didn't hear you the first time but because your persistence demonstrates something else to God. Because, friends, this is not about a woman who can box with a judge. The most important part of the story is the very last question that Jesus asks his listeners. Verse 8, when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? At first glance, when you read this story, that seems like a left field question. Like, what? We're talking about we're talking about a widow and the judge, and we're talking about persistence paying off. And what does that have to do with faith? Y'all, it has everything to do with faith. See, the, the heart of the matter is that our faith, our faith in God's willingness to answer us is the heart of this story. Does God care? Yes, he does. Does he care as much as an unjust judge? He cares more than but we have to believe that God is willing to answer our prayers. This is not just a way to talk about the fact that God will do much more than a human being will. Of course he will. It's that if we believe that God is good and that he's just and he cares for us and he hears our cries, then our persistent presence in the circle, even when we have already been there a long time, demonstrates faith. And faith does not give up. And faith is required to stay in the circle. Faith is required to stay in the circle. Even when the answer doesn't come when I want it to, even when the answer doesn't look like I want it to, it takes faith to stay in the circle and keep praying through. Even when I don't hear anything and I think God's not listening, but I know he's a God who hears me, I stay in the circle and I keep praying through. 
And listen, to persist in prayer doesn't mean endless repetition or painfully long prayer sessions. Actually, in Matthew's gospel, when Jesus is teaching about praying, he's saying, listen, people have it all wrong. They think if they just stand and babble and they have these long, eloquent prayers, that suddenly that makes them more special. That's not what it's about, friends. It's about connecting with the heart of the Father to seek after his will. It's about talking to my father like you would talk to me. I'm not impressed by people who put on special clothes and stand in the middle of a room and and pray eloquent prayers or pray over and over and over and over the same things. That's not what this is about at all. We don't have to box 10 rounds with God to get him to hear us. Persistent prayer means keeping our requests continually before God as we walk with Him daily. It's a conversation. Think about how you relate to the people you know and love in your life. Aren't the things that are most pressing in your life part of your common conversation? Don't you find that you talk about those things more than once? I mean, if your spouse or your friend or someone special in your life kind of gets annoyed with you, they'll tell you. You know you talk about that a lot. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just all that's on my mind right now. Do you think that that surprises God? When we talk to him repeatedly about things that are on our heart and mind, it doesn't. He knows it. He anticipates it. He welcomes it. He doesn't say, could you just shut up and move on? I heard you laugh. Sometimes we feel that way. It's a lie from the enemy. It's a lie. You know who wants us to shut up and move on? The enemy. Because every time we talk with our maker, he gets nervous. Persistent prayer means that as I walk with God daily, I'm having a conversation about the things that are pressing in on my heart, about the things that I don't know and that I don't understand, and I need him to reveal to me about the things that I dream that God has placed in my heart because my desires are his desires, and I can't wait for the day to see God do something that only God can do. That's what persistent prayer looks like. It means keeping our request before him continually as we walk with him day by day, believing he will answer and, dot, 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 and, also believing that even when God delays in responding to us, he has a good reason for it. Because sometimes the answer doesn't come immediately. One of the things, the reason why Jesus asked the question at the end of the story about Will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? How many will he find who have faith? This is why he's asking. Because one of the things that is required of us to develop deeper faith is something called perseverance. When we're in a circle and we're praying through and God seems to delay in responding to us and we don't think he's speaking and maybe he's just saying, I didn't say no and I didn't say yes, I just said hold on that there's purpose in our persistence. There's purpose in us staying in the circle while God is saying, hang on, hang on. An answer's coming, just not yet. And we're praying through and we're waiting and God's like, hang on. Because God is building perseverance in us. Jesus' brother James understood this well. He writes in his letter, consider it pure joy My brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. It's a word that literally means the ability to get up under something and hold on. Perseverance must finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Do you hear what James is saying? That without perseverance, you aren't finished. You aren't whole. You're not complete. That there is something that God wants to develop in us that helps finish us off. Friends, there's a lot of work that God has to do in all of us. Perseverance is a piece. But sometimes when we're in the circle praying through and God's going, just hang on. He doesn't want us to walk away because we're tired of waiting. What he's doing in us is building perseverance in us. So that when the answer comes, we have what we need to then respond to what he says. Sometimes if God answered us immediately, we couldn't handle it. 
Sometimes if God responded to what we were asking about in the immediate moment, we couldn't handle it. Perseverance, James says, is necessary. It must finish its work in us so that we will be mature and complete, not lacking anything, which means that if we don't have perseverance, we're lacking something. And so sometimes staying in the circle, sometimes persistence is developing in us perseverance. When we pray and we want it right now, do you know that even when we get what we want, we often really get nothing? You want me to say that again? When we pray and we want it right now, even if we get what we want, sometimes we actually get nothing. You want to know why? Because instantaneous gratification grows nothing in us but a spirit of dissatisfaction when we don't get what we want when we want it. All instantaneous gratification does is prime me to expect it immediately the next time. It doesn't grow anything in me except impatience, intolerance, dissatisfaction, bitterness toward God, unreasonable bitterness toward God. But do you know what perseverance grows in us? Perseverance grows gratitude for what we need even when we don't know we need it. When we're willing to endure and wait, when we're persistent in prayer, and we wait on God's timing, what we will discover is that God is planning to give us exactly what we need, even though we didn't know that's what we needed. And what perseverance finishes in us, what it completes in us, what it fills that space that was lacking in us, is not only the ability to endure while we're waiting, but it's also growing gratitude in us so that when the answer comes, even when it's not anything like what we thought it would be, we discover it's exactly what we need. And because we've waited on God, he has also built up in us gratitude for his goodness. It's true, friends. It's going to take faith to stay in the circle. It's required to stay in the circle because faith is creating in us a persevering spirit, which is necessary for us to be complete. We're not finished without it. Faith begets perseverance, begets a deeper faith. One gives you another, gives you another, gives you another. And that's how God is at work growing us. So even, this is the coolest part about God, even as we're praying about one thing, even as we're petitioning God for a need or a request about one thing, God is lovingly and graciously both responding to that need and also doing another thing in us at the same time. God says, yeah, here's your bonus prize. While you're waiting on me to address the need that I hear you, and I'm your father, and I love my children, and I'm going to do what's best for you. While I'm, while I'm asking you to wait a little while, I'm also giving you something else you really need. I'm developing a character in you that is required to experience my goodness in its fullness. God says, yes, I'll address your need. I'll do it in my time, and I'll do it in the way that's best for you. And while I'm doing it, I'm going to give you something else. I'm going to give you the ability to endure while you're waiting for it. And you'll need that endurance down the road. You don't know when, but I do. And I want to make sure you have right now exactly what you need for where you're going. But what if? Because there's always a what if, right? What if you are praying through and you just decide I'm through? I'm done. Like, I've been at this long enough, Lord. I've prayed for this thing for so long. I don't think you care. I don't think you care. I'm not even getting a, a yellow caution light. I'm not getting a go. I'm not getting a no. I'm not getting a, I'm not getting anything. You're not talking. I can't hear you. You just can't do it anymore. You don't even think God is delaying. He's just not speaking. That's where, by the way, the people of Honey's day were at. We're not talking anymore. We're just done. Like, you, he's not listening to us. He listens to Honey. He doesn't listen to us. So we'll just go get Honey to do this for us. That's where they were at. You keep trying to stay in the circle and pray, but you just can't make headway, and so you're out. 
I want to tell you today that persistent prayer is also creative prayer. This may be something totally new to you, but I hope it will be an encouragement to you today. Persistent prayer is also creative prayer. When you're in the circle and you want to leave and you're just sure that what you're praying doesn't matter anymore, find another way. Don't draw a new circle, just take a new approach. If you need an example of what I'm talking about, Scripture gives us one. Same gospel, earlier story. In Luke chapter 5, we find Jesus in a place where he started to teach and the leaders are gathered all around him. The Pharisees are there, the scribes are there. It's like they show up everywhere. They're just sort of watching him like a hawk, really. And Luke's gospel tells us this story. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof, and they took off some tiles, and they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. Remember, they didn't say it out loud. They were thinking it to themselves. Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say... Your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk. So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately, while everyone was watching, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home, praising God. Can I tell you something important about this story? Jesus was always willing to heal this young man. His his lack of access to the man was about what was happening around him. But there was no lack of willingness on the part of Jesus to heal this young man who was paralyzed. But it took creative persistence for his friends to keep their friend before the Lord. We all know that the easiest way to enter a room is to come in through the door. And the door is blocked. But they have a pressing need. Their friend is paralyzed. He can't get to where Jesus is. He can't ask for help himself. He has to have people who will intercede for him to get him where he needs to be, to get the healing that he needs. And they believe Jesus can do it. And so when it can't be done when they've approached Jesus in the way they know how to do it and there's no access. They don't go home. They don't leave him outside the door and say, fend for yourself. No, creative persistence required them to take a different approach. When one door was closed, which literally it was, and it seemed that they wouldn't be heard or their need wouldn't be answered, or they wouldn't be seen by God, they pressed on and they found another way. I want to tell you something. Years ago, there was a really unexpected ministry transition in our lives. And I was facing a pretty big personal hurdle. And I had been praying relentlessly, Lord, show me, what do you want me to do? I had prayed it literally for months. From the day we found out that the transition was coming, over and over again, the same day, it was the singular circle I was in. Show me, Lord, what you want me to do. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Every day, I'm surrendered to your will. I'll go where you send me. Show me what you want me to do. I pleaded. I circled. I went both directions in my circle. I paced in my circle, but I never got out of it. I prayed and I prayed. I was praying through but I wasn't getting an answer. And finally, one day in the middle of praying, Holy Spirit whispered these words to me, ask me another question. 
what? This is the only question, Lord. I don't have another question. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to do. This is all I've ever known, and now I don't have it anymore. I need you to show me. Ask me a different question. Well, in that season, lots of people had lots of ideas about what I should do. Lots of people who loved us well came giving all kinds of answers, all kinds of options. And among those options was a job offer for something I never would have considered in a million years. It wasn't what I necessarily felt called to or passionate about. And so I started asking a different question. It was the same prayer, but it was in a different way. It was a new approach. Is this what you want me to do? The first question, show me what you want me to do. The second question, is this what you want me to do? I'm still asking God to show me. I'm still asking God to tell me the question's the same, but it's a different approach. And I started praying super specifically, God, is this what you want me to do? God said, I need you to move some tiles. I need you to come at me a different way. And it's like all of a sudden, when I lower the request through the ceiling, God goes, yeah, that's exactly what I want you to do. And here's the funny thing. I've actually been telling you that for weeks. I've actually been showing you for weeks that this is what I wanted, but it took you asking differently to really see and hear me. Now, I'm not trying to give extra biblical information I'm trying to give a real-life application to the fact that sometimes when we can't go through the door, we have to put it through the roof. It's the same circle, but it's a different approach. When you're stuck, don't leave the circle. Stay in it and take a new approach. Sometimes that's a change in what we say. Sometimes that's a change in direction because we have a new perspective. Sometimes... Sometimes it's praying without hanging on to our expectations about what God should do. For me, I was convinced that if God loved me, it would just be handwriting on the wall. God wouldn't bring us to this place. God saw all this coming. He had a plan. He just hadn't pulled the wallpaper off so I could read what was written on the drywall. And the Lord was like, the answer has been in front of you this whole time but you couldn't see it. And I just needed you to ask me differently so I could get you away from what you thought I should do for you so that you could see what I'd already done for you. And I just wonder if in your life, the thing that you're praying about, that you've prayed for for so long, that you're circling and circling and circling, and you're just about ready to quit. I just wonder if maybe what God wants to say to you today is keep asking, but ask a different question. Ask me in a different way. Stop telling me how I have to answer you and actually listen and wait for the real answer. Come at me differently. Again, we're not boxing God for this. He's not waiting for a KO punch. Here's the beautiful thing about God. When we get in the circle with him, he will knock us out with his goodness. He will knock us out with his glory. He will not knock us down, but he will knock us out with how good he is to his children. But sometimes we have to step into that circle and see with different eyes. Persistent prayer is creative prayer. It takes a new approach when necessary. I also want to make sure that you see in this, in this moment that we have with Jesus, those friends brought their friend to be healed. They wanted physical healing. They wanted that dude to get up and walk out of there. And did you see what Jesus did? He gave spiritual healing because he knew that that was the man's greater need. He saw the faith of the friends and imparted forgiveness to that man because of how persistent they were, how committed they were. Don't you think Jesus responds and these dudes are up on the roof, right? They're watching. Can you see this whole scene unfolding? They've moved these tiles out of the way. They've lowered this mat down because they can't drop well. If they dropped him, he's already paralyzed. But you know, here's my thing, right? They've lowered him down right at Jesus' feet. 
And now they're all laying flat on the roof watching, waiting, because they've believed for this moment for a long time. And then Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Do you think for a minute they're like, what? Wait, Jesus, we think you missed the point. No, he didn't. He didn't at all. But aren't there moments sometimes when God answers in a way and we're like, oh, wait, we think you missed the point. No, he hasn't. Because what he saw in front of him was the greatest need of that man. And he imparts forgiveness to him. That man didn't come asking for forgiveness. He wanted to be healed too. He wanted to get up and go home with his mat under his arm, never to lay on it again. Get him a new mat. Can you imagine being healed from paralysis? Don't you think he might sleep standing up for a day? For real. Something dramatic has happened in his life. That's not why they came, but Jesus knew what the paralytic needed the most was a spiritual healing. He needed the forgiveness of his sins. It was the Pharisees who got mad about it. How can you heal his soul? He came here to you for physical healing. Who do you think you are? Who do we think he is? Hang on. When you're about to leave the circle, the question you really ought to ask yourself is, who do I think he is? It's not Aladdin's lamp, friends. We don't rub the magic bottle and the genie comes out. We serve a God who knows our need and sees beyond our wants to our greatest needs. And because he's a good and loving father, he will address our needs even when that's not always what we bring to us. Even in our persistence with God, we can't always expect that God will give us what we want, but we can be confident that he will always answer according to our needs. So, here's the thing. We've drawn some circles these last several weeks. Maybe you just returned to a circle that you've been in for a long time. Maybe you're praying for the salvation of someone you think will never change. You know, God can change hearts and minds because one time he changed yours. Who do you think he is? What do you think he's capable of? Hopefully now that you've had this circle in front of you, after last week you've given it a little elbow room, you've stretched it out, you've, you've drawn it a little bigger. You're willing to start praying for things that only God can do and not that you can manage on your own. But God's invitation to you today is very simple, and it's this. Stay in the circle. And here are three practical ways that you can do that as the worship team comes to lead us in close. First of all, I'm going to invite you to revisit a circle you've given up on. <clears throat> Come again to the Lord with your need. If you got up too early, be humble enough to get back down on your knees and stay in the circle. I did. One of my circles in this 21 days where we're circling some things before the Lord, one of my circles is Wabash Valley College. But if he doesn't respond to me in 21 days, I'm not getting up. I'm not getting up. And I can tell you this, I'm not getting up for sprinkles anymore because I want rain. I want the kind of rain that feeds the ground and restores souls and changes lives. And I'm not getting distracted anymore. Revisit the circles that you've given up on. Tell the Lord about your burden. Tell him about your dream. And then pray. And pray some more. And pray some more. Number two, find a friend to join you in the circle. Sometimes it's really hard to be persistent, but it's easier to be persistent when you've got someone else to help spur you on. Share your need with somebody. Intercede together. Y'all, the paralyzed man couldn't find the healing that he needed or the healing that he wanted until he had somebody else who was willing to help draw that circle around him and get him in the presence of the Father. Sometimes we just need people. Find a friend and ask them to join you in the circle. And finally, maybe you need to take a new approach. You want to leave the circle because you don't hear anything from God at all? Maybe just ask the question differently with a different attitude, from a different perspective. Usually, usually it's that we want God to answer us a certain way and 
And it's keeping us from hearing the fact that he's been answering us all along. Take a new approach. But stay in the circle. When Paul wrote to the church, never stop praying. Some of your translations say pray continually. It was because he was encouraging us to be persistent in prayer. Do you know why? It's not because prayer is a magic potion. It's because prayer is constant dialogue with the one who made you. And the more you talk to him, and the more you engage with him, and the more you're transparent about where you are and where you want him to take you, the more the enemy gets nervous. And at some point, he loses traction. It doesn't mean he won't come at you another way. But I'll tell you right now, something happens when you are in the presence of God. Don't get up. Don't run away. Stay in the circle and wait and see that the God who can is more than willing to. And not just is willing to, but he will. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you that you knew that this might be a place of weakness for us and your gospel reveals to us exactly what it's going to take to be people who stay in the circle. Some of the people in this room have been praying for things for decades. Decades. They can't even count on their fingers anymore. They've run out of spaces to track how long they've prayed for something. But God, I know that your word today is telling us not only to be persistent in prayer, but to also listen for your answer, even when it's not what we expected. When we're asking for healing from broken relationships, and it's not the answer we told you we wanted, but it's healing that comes in another way. Help us not to turn a deaf ear to it. And maybe if we've just been asking the same question over and over and we're convinced you're not speaking, maybe it's just because we're not listening. Or maybe we need to ask you in a different way. You have shown us that you honor and bless persistence. The widow found her due. The friends found healing for their friend. God, what what are we limiting ourselves in because we are not persistent before you? Not just asking you for things, but persistent in relationship with you to grow our faith, to develop perseverance, to grow in our walk with you. There is so much more, God, that you want to do in us individually, in our families, and in the life of this church, but it's not going to happen if we're not willing to be faithful and pray through. So we pray today, God, that you would make us people that you would shape us to be people who stay in the circle, who grab a friend and pull them in with us, who ask you different questions, but who don't give up. We keep on praying. That's the prayer of our heart today. We pray that you would give us the strength and the wisdom to know how and then the courage to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you want to come and respond to what you've heard today and be before the Lord in an attitude of prayer, these altars are open. You're welcome to come. I invite you to stand and respond as we sing back to the Lord our response to what he has spoken over us today.